um, for a lot of reasons. Fall is exciting. It is different when kids go into school, but even that is exciting. My little Ava, she um, is heading into first grade, and I'm telling you, it's been easy. Like, I wake her up, tell her school's going. She brushes her teeth. She puts on her clothes. Like, doesn't she realize what school is? Like, uh, somehow, we're going to ride that wave as long as we can. Um, Trevin has realized what school is uh, a little bit more, and, and Kyla had to wake him up this morning, and, um, and she said, well, he's improving because I only had to wake him up five times today. So, um, But I wanted to let you know, I, I am excited. This whole thing with life groups, maybe you don't know what life groups are. They're just like small groups. They're just community, a smaller community. Um, last year, I think we had 13, 14 of them going. This year, it looks like we're going to have a couple more than that. Um, really, there are an opportunity for you to share life with somebody else. I know, um, you know, I, I say it often, and, and I don't say it to be depressing. I just think it's the reality is life is hard, and then it gets harder. And even Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And part of that is this body, this, this community of believers that you can go to and ask for prayer and ask for encouragement and ask for support. But I also feel like it goes kind of both ways with that as well. Have you ever been in that place where you're just kind of a consumer of that? And you're always just consuming the prayers, consuming the resources, consuming uh, other people's time? A small group gives you an opportunity to pour out as well. Um, and I think that's the healthiest way to be a human is to, uh, you know, allow others to pour into you, but you also to pour into others. And, and so there's a lot of different life groups. We have a couple of women's studies that will be starting. We have a couple of men's studies that will be starting. We'll have life groups uh, made up of both men and women. We have a young adults group. We have a uh, youth group um, uh, on, what is that one called? Hot Topics. Uh, and so there's a lot of different groups that will be going. We're going to actually sign up for those next Sunday. So uh, this week, just be praying about uh, maybe your involvement in that. Also, by the way, just because you go once doesn't mean you have to go forever. Um, I was always afraid of that. You know, I didn't want to let anyone down, right? I, I'm a people pleaser by nature, and so I, I would feel bad if I showed up once and then didn't come back. Your leaders, they know that it's just kind of an investiga investigatory kind of thing. So you can go, and if it's not your cup of tea, you don't have to come back. No one's going to judge you on that. But sometimes when you actually check it out, I don't know if you've done this. I've done this. I've, I, you check it out, you're like, hey, this is actually pretty cool, and this is pretty awesome. It's why every Tuesday night I have a worship team that comes over and hangs out in my living room. And, and on Thursday nights, I've been hanging out with the men. Though, newsflash men, that is going to change from Thursday nights to Wednesday nights. But I can tell you, with, with life and just the ups and downs of life, to know that I have people in my life that encourage me and pray for me, and I can encourage them and pray for them, means the world to me. So give it a shot. Uh, we'll sign up for those next Sunday. Um, before I get into my message uh, this morning, I wanted to invite... Pastor Wendy Taylor up to the stage. Pastor Wendy Taylor, she has been the pastor over at Mission Woods Presbyterian Church for the last year and a half, and she really is an amazing person. Even though you're up here, I'm still going to talk about you, so come on up. Um, here's the reality. Um, you need to know that she has gone to bat for you guys. She's gone to bat for the kingdom of God. She's gone to bat for the move of God in our community. Um, I you know, I try not to get too spiritual, but someone the other day, they said, Dan, you've got to realize there's spiritual strongholds in your community that existed before you were ever even born. I was like, wow, like, I've never even thought of that. 
And yet, uh, here's a lady who has the spiritual maturity that understands these things. She has a stubbornness in the faith, a determination in the faith, that even when uh, there was things that she was going to say that weren't going to be popular, that no one was going to like, one time she knew that the Lord had told her to preach a certain message to her people, but the Lord woke her up in the middle of the night to preach it, so she had to stay up the entire night, rewrite her whole sermon, and then give that message the next morning. And sure enough, there were some people that heard that message that were not very happy, but she is just stubborn in her determination to be faithful to God and she asked if she could share with us because I don't know if you heard uh, she's got a new job and unfortunately it's not here Uh, it is in uh, Port Angeles uh, which is way too far away for me and just selfishly I'm just like are you kidding me like right when you know whatever okay I'm gonna go on a soapbox we're gonna keep focused but anyways so she's going to Port Angeles and and I'm trying my hardest to be excited about it but she wanted to uh, share with us a little bit. And so would you please welcome Pastor Wendy Taylor. I'm driving down this freeway at about 70 miles an hour. Yay, let there be light, right? Um, The Holy Spirit's going about 120 miles an hour inside of me, going, you got to get to LifeSpring and just give them this message, which is not a Presbyterian thing, right? The Holy Spirit does not fire up Presbyterian ministers to go and give a word from God to a congregation. But here we are, right? Okay, so this was the the image that, that the Holy Spirit gave me. So this is for you. I think it's for you know, this congregation, but I think that there's people in this, in this room today that need it for some reason that I don't even know about. So Jesus talking to his disciples tells them, abide in me, abide in me. And this is how close he tells us to abide in him as close as a vine is to a branch. Now that's close, right? That is so close. And the other image that came to my mind is What is it that's coursing through a vine and a branch that gives it life? Sap, right? 
So when we are when we are abiding in Christ as close as a vine is to a branch, what kind of sap do we have that is coursing through our veins? We have this, the sap of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is literally, not figuratively, not an image, some sort of thing that we imagine, but physically coursing through our bodies, through our hearts, through our minds, through our souls, coursing through us as individuals and coursing through us as a body of believers. Because, friends, each and every one of you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has ignited you and drawn you into this fellowship together creates a unity that otherwise would not exist without the presence of the Holy Spirit in this community. We depend on the Holy Spirit. So the other thing is that happens when we are abiding in Christ and we've got the sap of the Holy Spirit just coursing through our veins is that we can do only one thing, produce fruit. You cannot stop yourself from producing, from producing fruit if you are abiding in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit coursing through you. You can't stop it. You cannot. So you are all of those things. I have observed you. I have lived amongst you. I have seen you. And so the Holy Spirit said, go and encourage them, affirm them in what they are doing. You are abiding in Christ. You are relying on the Holy Spirit. You do open your lives to the Holy Spirit, both as individuals and as a body of Christ. And you are abundantly fruitful not only here in Fife and Edgewood and Milton, but in Ghana. Praise Jesus. Who would have ever thought, right? And Jacob's going, and he is going to be your, your missionary there. Praise Jesus for that. So you are producing fruit, not only here in this building, but in this community and even in other places in the world. So I just am here to just say, that's what I see in you. That's who I see that you are. So keep at it. And whatever it is that might come into your life, that is an obstacle to you abiding so close as a vine and a branch to Christ, that close, that intimately. If there is something, if there is a sin, if there is a thought, if there is an action, if there is a temptation that would separate you from that intimacy with Jesus Christ, get rid of it. Just toss it to the curb. Toss it in the gutter. It does not belong in your life. Because, friends, you do not want to miss out on the opportunity of living the life that you were created to live. You were created by God. God said you were very, very good and so good that Christ died for you and Christ indwells you with his Holy Spirit, making you into the image of Christ, transforming you. So don't let anything get in the way of that because that is the life that you were created to live. So that's my... That was the 120-mile-an-hour thing the Holy Spirit gave me to give to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, I know, right? Uh, we will miss her. I think all of us will miss you. And um, So a couple things I want to do. One, I want us to pray for her. And uh, just stretch your hands out to her as we pray. Also, I want to receive a special offering for her as well. Uh, send her to Port Angeles um, with some gas money. Uh, she didn't like that part of, of helping, but... I didn't even expect that part. But I think that's a life spring thing. I think that's just um, kind of what we do. So um, let's, let's pray for this amazing person. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, just continue to move. We've already seen you move uh, in so many ways uh, as Wendy's been here for the last 18 months in our community. 
but we know that you're not done yet, um, that you are still using her in incredible ways. And, and I think about Port Angeles, that what Wendy doesn't understand is that there are people there that have been praying for her. People have been asking the Lord to send a worker, to send a harvester over there. And, and that Wendy um, needs to understand that, Lord, that you have led her there, not just for Wendy, but for those that are there, Lord, to bring you glory, God, to bring the advancement of your kingdom, Lord. And so I even think about as she drives over there, Lord, that first Sunday, that you just begin to open her eyes to all the things that you've laid out before her, Lord, uh, all the uh, opportunities that you're giving her, Lord, to, to be a minister, to preach the gospel, to pray for others, and, and to advance your kingdom. And, and so, God, I pray that there would be a move of your spirit, a supernatural move of your spirit, Lord, that she would continue to be stubborn in her obedience, Lord, that she would obey you, God, in all things, that she'd obey you when it isn't popular, she'd obey you uh, when it seems like everyone is against her, that she would obey you, God, that she would live her life for you, Jesus. And Lord, I just believe that as she walks in obedience, there are going to be words that are spoken from her mouth and things that she's going to do that are going to break down walls. We just believe that, God, that there's uh, those areas of darkness, even the areas that we've seen broken in our own community, they will break in Port Angeles, Lord. And as we're going to see the love of God on display in that community like never before, as people like Wendy and others that you send into that region will, uh, will obediently follow your commands, Lord. And so we thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, she has been such a blessing to us. We want to be a blessing to her, Lord. We want to send her off, Lord, uh, full of your spirit. Uh, send her off with the power of God, healthy within her, uh, dwelling within her, Lord, and that we would know that she's going off to do a good work in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. God, bless this amazing woman. Bless her from the top of her head to the bottom of the soles of her feet. Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. I love you, Jesus. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Come on. And somebody's taking a road trip to Port Angeles, and his name is Dan Birch. <laughs> Last time I was in Port Angeles, my mom went sleepwalking, and she stepped on a basketball, fell down, broke her arm, got black eyes. Port Angeles needs to be redeemed in the name of Jesus. <laughs> well, today we're starting a new series. I'm pretty excited about it. We're calling it Twisted. And I think you're going to enjoy it. We're looking at some of the most misused verses in the Bible, verses that we've twisted from their original meaning. Today I want to look at the words of Jesus, words that come from John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. This really is one of the most misused verses in the Bible. This is what Jesus says. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, if you pray in faith in the name of Jesus to get the girl, you get the girl, right? Pray in the name of Jesus in faith. I'm going to win the lottery. What happens? You win the lottery, right? In faith, in the name of Jesus. I claim it. There's my friend. <laughs> right? Well, and, and you're kind of like, well, it's in red, right? So it's important, right? It, it must happen. But have you ever tried that? It doesn't always work that way. All right, well, let's go on the other end. Maybe then it's just not true, right? This is just an old historical text full of dust without power, and it's just not working. So those are kind of the extremes. Or what I'd say and what I'm really excited to talk about over the next 20 minutes is maybe we are just twisted 
in our understanding and our application of what Jesus is really trying to say. And I'm pretty excited to share with you. See, today I want to give you real quick, just a brief opportunity to, to kind of see how you would interpret Scripture. Three simple thoughts for finding the real meaning in Scripture. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. I'm going to go through it kind of fast. But number one, to interpret Scripture, you need to understand the context. So uh, what do I mean by that? You need to know not just what that one verse says, like I just read those two verses. You'd want to read what happens before those verses, what happens after those verses. You'd want to see who is this, uh, this verse written to, what's the major theme, what is God trying to speak through the author. So, so you need to kind of understand the context. You don't want to just pull out a verse and quote that verse, right? And by the way, as much as I say that, how many times have I done that in my life? Have you ever done that before? You know, it was just quoting that verse completely out of context. And by the way, uh, I just want to encourage you, that doesn't mean you're a heretic. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. I, I think we've all kind of done that before. But I, I just want to encourage all of us that Aren't we on a journey of maturity as, as believers? Aren't we growing in faith? I know I'm trying to grow in faith. And so as much as I've done that to people and you've done that to people, uh, today I, I would just say, God, help us in that area. We want to grow in this. We want to embrace and actually understand the context of the scriptures that we're learning, but also the scriptures that we're quoting. Number two, interpret scripture with other scripture. Um, this is really important. In other words, the best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. So uh, this happens sometimes in cults where they take one verse and then they build an entire theology around one verse. Well, we don't want to do that. We're going to take that verse, but we're also going to look at other verses that talk about that similar theme. And we want to build our theology over the consistency of the entire Bible, right? The entire Bible written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We want to interpret this one or these two scriptures with the breath of all of God's scriptures. Number three, again, if you're taking notes, write this down. Most importantly, we're going to apply what we learn. I, I heard this the other day, and I, and I love it. The Bible is more than a book to be studied. It is God's letter to be lived, right? So it's not just about head knowledge and, and just getting really smart on the things of God. It's actually God's letter to be lived. Uh, James talks about don't just be hearers of the word, but what? Be doers of the word. So this is what I'm going to do today. We're going to look at the Bible, and specifically John chapter 14. We're going to look at these words of Jesus, the words that, where he says, you can ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And what I want to do is I want to understand the context. I want to interpret the Bible with the Bible, and then I want to learn to apply it to my daily life. Start with the context. We're going to start with a hard question here. Who wrote the book of John? You're right. Somebody said Timothy uh, first service, and that is wrong. That is not the correct answer. <laughs> and, and the main theme of John, maybe you've heard this before, if you've ever taken like a systematic theology class or something like that, John is trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's God. It's the main, main theme. In the beginning was the Word. Remember John 1.1? 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he writes later, he says, the Word becomes flesh became flesh Jesus and the word dwelt among us so 
So the main theme of John is trying to prove that Jesus is God the Son, existing with the Father from the very beginning of time. From, the, from this, we'll move on to what's the theme of John 14. So not just these two verses, but let's look at the whole chapter, right? We've looked at one verse, but now let's see what the whole chapter has to say. I, I'm just going to kind of do a summary. At the very beginning, Jesus is kind of saying this. Don't be afraid, you guys. I, I'm going away, but I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm, I'm going to my house where there are many mansions and many rooms. Remember that part? And, and I'm preparing them for you. And, and then later he says, don't worry. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he goes on to say, you know, when I'm going away, I have some really good news. See, I'm going away, but it only gets better for you because I'm going to ask my Father in heaven, what? To send the Holy Spirit to be with you to dwell within you as pastor Wendy just so eloquently said to dwell in you and to lead you I'm going away but take heart do not worry I'm sending the Holy Spirit so if you look at the main theme of John 14 Jesus really is talking not about prayer these two verses that we read but what he's really talking about is that he is making some preparations for you and for me that's why John is such an encouragement to me that chapter is such an encouragement to me that he's thinking about me and he's helping me by preparing a place for me and sending us his Holy Spirit so it's not prayer it's actually this preparation that Jesus is going to make now with this understanding we're going to reread the verse this time let's do it from a perspective of not making ourselves the main characters in the text this is important don't make yourself the main character in the text but instead, let's remember and respect who is always the main character in our text. The main character in our text is always who? It is God. It is Jesus. Not us, but God. That's important. We kind of miss that one up a little bit. I, I'm guilty of that often. But we have to remember God is the main character in the Bible, not us. So let's read it with this context, this understanding. John 14, 13. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. But then he goes on to say, he says, so that, and what's the purpose here? He says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you see what just happened? See, God, he, he's saying the reason that he answers prayers, it's, it's not just so that my life can be better, right? So that I can have more money or I can get the car or I can get the kitchen or the spouse that I've always dreamed of. No, it's not about me. He says the reason God answers prayers is so that the Father may be what? Glorified in heaven. Good. So when we read that, not seeing ourselves as the main subject of the Bible, but seeing God as the main subject of the Bible, we begin to recognize, hopefully, that there's a much different purpose for our prayers than what most of us often realize. And this is kind of a biggie for me as a pastor, because one of the main reasons I've seen people walk away from the faith, it's right here. Well, pastor, I prayed for it, I believed in it, and he didn't do it. Therefore, he just must not be real, or if he is real, he's just really mean, right? He's definitely not a good God. Over and over again, I see people walk away from faith in God because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. But in Scripture, we have to understand the context. Now, we're going to take a moment to translate Scripture with Scripture. We're going to look at four things uh, where the Bible talks about prayer, where the Bible talks about asking God for things. And, and we're going to look at some other passages where Scripture talks about uh, asking for things and, and praying to God. And, and, and with these passages, what we're going to do, we're going to see what matters to God when we pray, what matters to God when we ask for things. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. The first thing that we need to recognize is this. When you pray, 
This is so important. Your relationships matter. Your relationships matter to God. I want to explain it from two, two different passages. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Very similar to the one I just read, right? And this is some amazing news, right? This is an amazing promise. But let's continue to read verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what are you to do? Let's say it aloud. You are to forgive them. Forgive. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wow, that's, that's pretty intense. So if you're ticked or you're mad at somebody, you've got to deal with that relationship before you keep on praying. Because when you pray, your relationships matter to God. Another good example is found in 1 Peter in chapter 3, verse 7. This is between husbands and wives. It says, husbands, in the same way, you have to be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Wow, right? So that means, church, if I'm being a jerk to Mary, if I'm disrespecting my wife, guess what? That is probably going to hinder my prayers. I don't like to think of it that way, right? I, I just want to be able to treat her any way I want to treat her, and then, oh, God, would you just you know, do this and do that? But evidently, your relationships matter to God. Second thing, your motives matter to God. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this in chapter 4, verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. Asking with the wrong motives. When Jesus walked this earth, he was kind of surrounded by people that were asking with the wrong motives. The religious rulers of the day, the Pharisees, they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. Do you remember reading about the Pharisees and what Jesus would say about them? They would stand on the street corners. They'd pray these long, fancy prayers. Dear God, Father in heaven, I thank you that I'm not like those Gentiles, right? I am holy. I pray these long prayers. God would say that's praying with the wrong motive in fact jesus he calls them hypocrites as they're doing this but as much as it's easy just to blame the pharisees i'm pretty good at this as well i was thinking about growing up i was always dating girls that weren't christians but i was a christian i kind of knew that i probably should be dating christians so what would i do oh god lord in heaven above would you save this beautiful precious smoking hot woman in the name of jesus you know save her save her save her save her save her I mean, it sounds good, but I'm telling you, church, the wrong motives. Your motives matter when you pray. Proverbs 16, verse 2, it says, All a person's ways seem pure to them. Isn't this so true? All a person's ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. So there's things that matter when you pray. Your relationships matter. Your motives matter. Number three, write this down if you're taking notes. Your faith appears to matter to God. When you pray, your faith matters. James talks about it in chapter 1. You guys know this verse. He says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts, I love the imagery, he says, is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So evidently, your faith moves the heart of God. Your faith matters to God. I love when Jesus talks about a childlike faith. Isn't that incredible when Jesus talks about this childlike faith? And you know what he's talking about if you've ever been a grandparent or if you've ever had kids and you see a child who just really trusts in Jesus. 
Isn't there just something special and beautiful and even powerful about seeing a childlike faith? Have you met my daughter, Ava? Ava, oh my goodness, Ava is just amazing. Have you heard her pray? I just love it when she prays. Th- just this week, we're trying to go to Wildways, and it's like 10 bucks to park at Wildways. I'm like, no way, I'm not paying 10 bucks to park. Well, if you back out behind Wildways, there's this neighborhood with a street that you can park on. And we, you know, we weren't there early or anything. We were there in the mid-afternoon, so there's just cars all the way down. I'm telling you, I didn't say a word, and all of a sudden I hear Ava saying, Lord Jesus, just give us a parking spot. Lord, would you just give us a parking spot? And then it was kind of like one of those moments where I was ready to give up way in the back, you know, but I'm like, well, she is praying, and this would be an amazing sermon illustration. So I was like, well, let's give it a shot. Without exaggeration, I drove all the way to the top. We got the third in line, third in line spot, and Ava was just like, well, of course, you know, I prayed for it, and there it is. And it's the childlike faith that Ava has, and at some degree, I, I can't fully explain it, but we're supposed to have a childlike faith. Our faith matters to God. You remember those two blind, when they, two blind men when they approached Jesus? I love this story. It's in Matthew chapter 9, and, and they, they come to Jesus, and in and, and their hearts, they say, have mercy on us, Jesus. And then the scripture says that he touched their eyes, and then he said, according to your, help me out, according to your faith. Let it be done unto you. And their sight was restored. So your faith matters to God. But then if you're taking really good notes, here's kind of what you can falsely conclude, right? If my relationships are all good, if my motives are pure, and if I have enough faith, then God has to do whatever I ask him to do, right? I've unlocked the secret to getting what I want in life. But what I want to say with that is when we do that, we slip into what some have labeled a prosperity gospel or name it and claim it, blab it, grab it, see it, be it, whatever you want to rhyme with. You know, that car is mine in the name of Jesus, right? I'm confessing it's going to be mine. I'm unemployed. I don't like the work, but the car is mine in the name of Jesus, right? Name it, claim it, it's coming to me. I'm winning the lottery in the name of Jesus. I mentioned this last service as someone walks in, let's say a guy walks in to converge the, the young adults group and he sees a lady and he's like, that lady is mine in the name of Jesus. Claim it, you know, name it and claim it and grab it and blab it and see it and be it. She is mine in the name of Jesus. I don't know. I don't know, church. I feel like when we're doing that, we're saying, you know, this is up to me. It's up to my faith. It's up to me. Not God, right? It's, it's up to me. Which I kind of feel like you kind of put yourself in the position of God at that point. And maybe I'm making some of you mad at this point because you've been raised in this. But just hang with me because this is serious and I, and I hope to make a serious point. Because this is a real attitude that people have. If I have pure motives, if I just have enough faith, if I do this, then God has to do this. And I've addressed this a lot at LifeSpring. I've talked about this that at this point, when we do that, we're just kind of making him into a spiritual ATM machine or a, some kind of magic genie, right? I put the money in, I push just the right buttons, and ta-da, what I wished for, here it is, magically comes out. If I do this, then God has to do this. But this brings me to point number four, and point number four is this. We need to understand that God's will matters. His will his sovereign nature, his goodness, his character, his eternal plan. God's will 
matters. John, the very same John that said that you can have anything that you pray for in the name of Jesus, he also says something in 1 John. It's this, this is the same John, but listen to what he says in 1 John. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. This is a great verse, by the way. He says that if we ask anything, if we ask anything, say it with me, according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If, church, it's according to his will. We must ask according to his will. So we can't just ask him for whatever we want and demand that he does it for us. Again, that just makes us God, not God. It's not according to our will. Whose will is it according to? It's according to his will. And if we understand that, suddenly this main text, John 14, verse 14, it might make a little more sense to us as we read it. Jesus says, you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. In my name. That's important, church. In other words, if we're going to the Father and we're using the name of Jesus, then we better be asking something according to the will of God. Because we're asking in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, think about Jesus. Would he ever do anything that goes against the will of his Father? No, in fact, he came to do the will of the Father. So this is so important. This is a big deal. It's serious. I hope we understand this. When you go before God and you use the name of Jesus in Jesus, as you use his name and use his name, you have the privilege to use his name. But as you use his name, think about it. You have access. You now have access with the creator of the universe because Jesus has given you permission. Because of what Jesus has done, you now have the right to speak with the Father, something before you did not have. So praise Jesus for this. But suddenly there's this feeling uh, that, wow, like this name of Jesus, it is a massive responsibility and it is a massive privilege i have the privilege now to enter into the throne of grace because of who jesus is and what jesus has done therefore though this is not just a key that unlocks the lock for me to get what i want no instead i come in honoring the name of jesus who has given me access to the father and now i say and do and ask everything in his name according to his will and this is so important and this is so serious because here's what happens. We pray, and sometimes God does a miracle. Hallelujah. But other times we pray, and it doesn't go like we want. And the tragedy is too many people walk away from God because God didn't do exactly what they wanted him to do. Church, I've shared before about my health issues. I want you to know it is sad and disappointing to me every time I share that it's almost guaranteed every time Someone's going to tell me either I don't have enough faith to be healed or that I have a secret sin that is keeping me from being healed. But I just want you to know, I've seen the doctors. I've seen the specialists. I've listened to your advice. I've tried to follow the things that you've told me to do. But I still got what I got. And only a couple of you know this, but I want you all to know, over two months ago, I quit taking all the medications I was on. I was on five different prescription medications. I stopped taking them all because it was affecting my memory. It was affecting my ability to communicate with people. And boy, was I putting on the pounds. And I couldn't fit into my jeans, but hallelujah, I can fit in my jeans again. But church, I still hurt. But I know that godly people are still praying. Mary and I and many of you are praying. We even believe that this is the day that God will do a miracle. 
Every day I know people are praying. God has not answered the prayer yet how we want him to pray or how we want him to answer it, but we are still praying. And church, you need to know, I believe God will heal me. Today, I know that some, some of you, when you woke up, you prayed for me. And when you prayed for me, you didn't say, oh, God, maybe, you know, heal Pastor Dan. You said, in the name of Jesus, heal Pastor Dan. And when I pray for you, that's how I pray for you. I'm not like, well, maybe, you know, if it's a... Well, no, I'm just like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I believe that he can. I believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, and this is so important, I still believe. I still believe. Why? Because my faith in God does not rest on what he does or doesn't do for me. My faith in God is in what Jesus has already done for me on the cross and with the empty tomb. It's already settled, church. If you know me, I am unwavering in my belief. If prayer was only a tool for me to get what I want, I'm telling you, that's an insult to our God. Can you imagine if I went to my father, Cliff Burst, and it was just, Dad, give me this, and Dad, give me this, and Dad, give me this, and Dad, give me this. What do I do? I've made Dad my servant, and I'm here to tell you, God is not my servant. I am his. I am not the main character in Scripture. God is the main character in Scripture. If he doesn't do what I want him to do, he, it doesn't lessen who he is. It doesn't weaken who he is. It doesn't wreck my faith because my faith is not based on him doing what I demand him to do. My faith is based on him and his love and his amazing love that sent Jesus, the one we just worshiped and sang about, Jesus to the cross to give his life for me so that I could spend eternity with him. It's all about him. Look at the verse I just read. It's about him. It says, if I ask anything in his name, that it will be done unto me. Why? So that my Father in heaven may be glorified. It's about him. It's about him receiving glory. It's not just me getting my little wish list accomplished by God. No, prayer is this avenue. Have you ever thought about prayer? It's this beautiful avenue that we have to know God and to be known by God. To actually be in a relationship with God where we can fall in love with him and bring him glory. It's not just to get him to do what I want him to do. It's about me getting to know him, to know God, to hear from God, to talk to God, and to bring him glory with everything I say and do. And I'd even say I've noticed that some of the prayers that God hasn't answered... Have you ever thought about that? That some of the prayers he hasn't answered, that often the answer comes in a way that is bigger and better than I could have ever imagined or ever expected. That's what God does, and he does it in a way that always brings him glory. And so the reason I pray, again, is not to get him to do what I want, but it's to submit my will to what he wants. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And with that understanding, church, I, I just hope at 12.06 on a Sunday afternoon that your faith is built up. I pray that you would pray for big things, that you would pray for the impossible, that you would believe that God can and you would trust that he will. And you can say in the name of Jesus and ask according to your will, let it be done. But even if it doesn't, I trust and I believe and I'm praying that you will still believe because your faith in God does not rest on God doing what you tell him to do. Your faith rests on his goodness, on his character, on his sacrifice, on the empty tomb that he rose and he truly is even now alive and that you can live if you put your faith and trust in him. That is what I pray for all of us in this place, that faith would begin to rise up. So I just want to pray over us. Father God, even now, Lord, I pray faith would rise up in this place that we would ask you for the impossible, that we'd ask you to make a way where there seems to be no way, 
God, there are people in this room, even the thought of this verse makes them cringe because they have had spiritual leaders manipulate them and coerce them and even shame them because of, of things not being answered and, and telling them that they don't have enough faith and, and, and things like that. God, I just pray over all that dis- disappointment and that hurt that you would forgive uh, those that have done wrong against them, but also you would heal these hearts, heal these broken hearts. And God, there are people sitting here that have just something significant right now within them. And they are asking you, God, to do a miracle right now. A miracle, a supernatural provision, a supernatural miracle, a supernatural move of God that only you could do. Some people right now have a burden that is so heavy. Some people, whether it's sickness, whether it's financial issues, whether it's a job-related issue, it could be any number of issues. But God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would be the answer to every one of those issues, every one of those concerns, every one of those roadblocks and hardships and broken-hearted issues. Lord, right now, Jesus, you would be the answer. And Jesus, you would perform a miracle that only you can do. If you're honest, as we're praying, even as I'm praying, it, it rises up within you that you don't even know if you believe God would do anything for you. You're discouraged. You're worn out. Prayer is, is an exhausting task for you. For those of you that would say, yeah, there's something in my life that I really wish God would do something about it, but I need His help, I need His power, but I, I've just kind of given up on praying. If that's you this morning, I believe God would just encourage you right now, don't give up. Keep on praying. He's still the God who answers prayers. He's still the God who heals. He's still the God who provides. So Father, I just pray over every need in this place right now, every burden, every sickness, God, that you would build up our faith, not just because of what you're going to do or what you're not going to do, but because your word is spoken this morning. And when we hear your word, it builds up our faith. God, I pray that we would put our faith in your character, in your nature, in your goodness, in your sovereignty, and in your will. God, we come to you as children, like little Ava. We come to you with childlike faith, asking you again, telling you, reminding ourselves that you are a really big God, that we are reminding ourselves right now that you can do anything, that all things are possible with you, God. We are praying for miracles. Lord, I pray uh, over anyone here, Lord, that has a sickness right now, a cancer, a disease, anything like that, Lord, that there be healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's a marriage that's on the rocks, I pray it would be restored, it would be reconciled, and it would be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. For anyone who is unemployed and looking for employment, Lord, I pray for financial provision in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every need that is here, Lord. We pray for that person who has cancer, Lord. We believe that in the name above all names, in the name of Jesus, that cancer can be gone. In the name of Jesus, and we believe, Jesus, you can do a supernatural healing right now in your powerful name. God, we believe you can, and we believe you will hear every one of these prayers. God, I'd even say, I believe, I I honestly believe, God, that I will see thousands upon thousands of miracles in my lifetime of things that only you can do. God, I believe by faith that you're going to hear everything that we've said today, Lord, everything that we're asking. And there's going to be times, I mean, come on, there's going to be times, God, when we're just going to be freaking out, celebrating, shouting, giving you the glory for what you've done. But God, from my heart, and I want to be serious about this, God, even if even if you don't do what we know you can and believe that you will, God, we just declare, I declare that I love you, that I will worship you, and I still believe in who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all say, amen. Amen.